Welcome to Vox Vomitus, also known as Word Vomit. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of Vox Vomitus. I am your host, Jennifer Ann Gordon, the author of the Kindle Award-winning novel, Beautiful, Frightening, and Silent, as well as the Hotel series and Pretty Ugly. Joining me today, as always, is my Vox Vomitus vixen, Alison Martine, author of The Bourbon Books, which includes the award-winning novel Dibs since September and Move on Melinda. With us today, we have J.C. Paulson, the author of Blood and Dust, as well as the Adam and Grace series. Welcome, Joanne. Awesome to be here. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us. Did you like our little cowboy outfits that we're sort of wearing? (laughs) We tried. I like the boots presented earlier. Yes. See? Very good. And then I had to admit, I don't have cowboy boots. And then all of my respect for you dwindled away. (laughs) (laughs) That whole right now does not include boots for Joanne. She admits it right here. That's all right. Well, and to be fair, Allison, your cowboy boots are for small children. And and mine (laughs) are for dancing. So... I don't think either of us have no. like we have cow- no cred either. We have no street cred either. <laughs> All right. We're credless. Okay. Cowboy cred. So Joanne, tell us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about your work. And how far back do you want me to go? Well, I was oh, born a child. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> start, you know, pretty much like leaving Toronto on a horseback. No, and I, Joanne, I know you've got a background in writing prior to becoming a novelist. So you you have this thing called a newspaper. Some of our younger viewers may not know what that is. <laughs> right, eh? <laughs> Very funny. Um, yeah, I started uh, my writing career as a journalist, and I that did that for. I am still doing that. So I've been doing that for thirty more years than I care to admit. <laughs> I heard 13, 13. So I'm still doing that. I started at um, the star Phoenix, which is the name of our local daily newspaper. And I was there for a long time. Probably my most exciting gig was the business editor, I suppose. And I um, ended up, I've been a lot of places, so I won't go through the whole thing. I ended up at an agricultural newspaper as well. So I'm pretty grounded in, in um, grounded. my pro yes, my <laughs> province's uh, um, agriculture and business community, as well as arts. I, and I covered arts a great deal too. So it was sort of um, always on that. Um, it, it was a kind of a strange dichotomy, really, if you think about it, like writing business and arts, although there's a lot of business to arts, as we authors have learned. Right? Not well. As, as, not well. as <laughs> us authors are trying to learn. <laughs> exactly. Sadly, just water. Oh, Mine's so, sadly just ginger ale. Mine's water, gin- water. Yours is water, water. Mine has flavor in it, at least. But mm. I wanted to drink to that, but it's, yeah. it's not as to the business side of this. <laughs> not business, uh, not a two martini lunch kind of thing. So, Joanne, so Joanne, you have this amazing uh, journalism background. Were you? I know the Adam and Grace series. That's mystery, kind of crimeish. Did yeah. you ever have to like cover crime stories? It was is Saskatchewan um, a crime hub? hub? place no it really isn't actually (laughs) and especially in the in the days that it's you know crime picks up as your population grows um and um exterior influences come in uh like drug trafficking and that type of thing so crime is a little 
worse here than it used to be. Um, I assigned a lot of court reporters, but I was never a crime reporter myself. And but I was always quite fascinated by it. You know, um, you can't kind of can't help but be when you're working in a newsroom because it takes up so much of the oxygen in a newsroom <laughs> sort of thing, right? And so I heard about a lot of the court cases and and the, and uh, and you know on the ground crime coverage. You know, we'd have the occasional hostage taking or that type oh. of thing <laughs> and fires, which were arson that we would cover as well and that type of thing. So there was some of that going on in my life, but I was very rarely on the, occasionally, but very rarely on the front lines. It's more really, it was more really about my um, lifelong passion for mystery novels that got me there. I think I was when even when I was really young when I started reading mysteries, starting with, you know, Nancy Drew, Trixie Belden, didn't really Trixie, love them, Trixie. to be honest. I remember Trixie. Yeah. yeah. I don't remember Trixie. Trixie was, was better than Nancy, in my view. It was a little yeah. more accessible. You know? That's very, um, that's a very controversial uh, thing to say. Yes, I know. I'm aware of that. Yeah. Um, so the number also, of mystery authors we've had on who are all Nancy Drew, there'd probably be a whole crew of them right now going, what did you say about my Nancy, Joanne? Yeah. <laughs> What's funny is I remember being a kid and loving the Nancy Drew books. But then when I was maybe 30, I decided to reread all of them. I decided to like buy the vintage copies wow. and reread all of them because um, I love mystery. And I was surprised at how much the Nancy Drew books were problematic, one. Uh, but two... Really, really, every time the going got like really intense, Nancy stops and has like a really elaborate snack prepared for her by her maid. Right? So I'm just like, I want why snack. is she eating an apple cobbler right now? When is the long investigating? There's a secret in the clock. Yeah, but there's apple cobbler on the table. Yeah, so there were the, at least like three snacks, three elaborate <laughs> snacks per book. Um, and then that just really distracted me and made me hungry. Sorry, but that's how I write. There's always like elaborate food in there, so I don't. I don't think that I have any room to complain. But I'm just wondering, like, were there word counts? And she got there by more by adding a recipe. I'm about a hundred thousand words short. Can we shove in? How many eggs are in this apple cobbler? There are six, and all of them. I chose the brown eggs. Oh. Well, and I'm still laughing because, Joanne, you were talking about how this this other element came in with the drugs. I'm going, so these weren't homegrown drugs because I was hoping that was part of the agriculture was drugs. Oh, right. No. Yeah. No, I guess that's no, no, it's grown. Probably. You can tell that Allison and I have watched a lot of like Breaking Bad and like Ozark and <laughs> things right. like that. So it's that's just like. High. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a slightly different environment here. I mean, more of that's going on now, but not but back so when you were covering the court stuff, because because I know since I, I read the first Adam and Grace mystery, the Adam's Witness, and I was like, so Joanne, how much of this was your life? And you're like, sadly, it wasn't. I'm going, man, at least as far as you getting to be the Grace character, because she's a reporter. So she's the one who's there following up on these stories and having these things. So you mean to tell me that you were never like the witness to a murder? And now I'm just right. totally... Story. not right what you know it's she had to use her actual imagination she used her imagination <laughs> and it's better for joanne's well, mental health that she yes. didn't witness a murder well that's true it's not entirely imagination right i yes. mean i was on the ground Combined. watching all the reporters coming in from court coming off you know coming in stinking like smoke or you know having been hiding out behind 
garbage cans because some guy was holding a gun, you know, to somebody's head in a hotel or something. So or getting attacked. You know, I was there. I just wasn't sort of the primary person. <laughs> yes. But if you're going to write, if you're going to write a mystery novel, which is of course what I wanted to do, um, you, you got to pretend a little bit and come out of your comfort zone. So channel your inner building. Yeah. <laughs> And it was, I mean, the, the, the atmosphere around news, you know, no matter what you're covering is quite similar. There's always that sense of go, go, go deadlines and excitement and everybody flinging things all over the newsroom and yelling at each other. It was always an exciting place to be. This is, this is why I wrote for my high school newspaper. Cause I thought it right. was going to be that, but and instead it was, it was high school. It was, yeah. It was, it was <laughs> yeah, high school and it was just like a bunch of lazy high school kids just being like, Oh, well, and Jen, God. was this when you were at a Catholic school? No, this, okay, was, this was, I Catholic. went to a public high school where once we had a riot. A riot? That's exciting. That'd be fun to cover for a newspaper. You know, it did you get to fun. cover it? Yeah. I, I personally did not because I was the music editor. Leading the writer? I was going to say, were you leading the riot, Jen? Is that no. how that happened? <laughs> I didn't cover it because I was involved. In I was in the riot. No. <laughs> and riot is probably like overstating that it was just a really epic girl fight. Girl fight. Oh. Pull that hair. <laughs> there are no girl fights, at least in the first book of Adam's Witness that I recall where hair was being pulled. No. No. Yeah, I, don't, I don't do girl fights in my books. No. No. Well, and, straight ahead. And how did you then get from, so so I, I admit I've only gotten through the first book of Adam's Witness. So you've got the whole series there. Is that series complete? Is that how you decided you needed to move to Westerns or is that still going and you just wanted a change of pace? How did you, how did you do yes. that shift on No, none, none of those things actually. <laughs> <It's> oh. kind of, <laughs> um, I'm working on the sixth book in the Adam and Grace series right now. So I think that will be the end of the, of the, uh, it really is romantic suspense, right? Although yeah. it's sort of one relationship that has an arc and it will probably end, that arc will end on the sixth book. And I expect Everybody dies. some more cases, but okay. that yeah. arc will, will be complete after book six. Um, no, I was writing Griffin's Cure, which is the fourth book mm -hmm. and um, really having a hard time imagining and coming up with this sort of big scene, right? Where the murderer is caught. And my husband in the, in the meantime had this terrible nightmare and I woke up the next morning, really, really quite um, disturbed by it. And then a, a couple of days later, he said, can you write this down for me? So I can kind of make sense. So this of it. is Ken's nightmare. This is Ken's nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> and I, and what he was really, and I think he really did want me to do that for him to see sort of what I made of it. But mm -hmm. uh, he he was trying to unblock my writer's block, right? He was trying to I love that. that. I love that. And so I wrote that. So I wrote the chapter, but because the, the dream was so bizarre, I couldn't place it in the present. Like if that mm -hmm. had happened today, you would call an ambulance and take the victim in his dream to the hospital. Yeah. So was his dream the opening scene of your book? Basically, yes. Okay. Yeah. It was pretty, it was pretty. That's visceral. an intense dream. It was intense. And so it was, is that so the start of Blood and it. Dust? What's that? Is that for Blood and Dust? Yeah. That's okay, a terrible tell us afterwards what scene it is because I'm it's going, the opening scene. It's the opening chapter. That was his dream. Oh, oh, okay. So that's yeah. the dream. Okay, so that's I how I shifted. And it goes and then it shifts back because that's kind of one of those end medieval and then we shift back to how that's we got exactly. here and move forward. Exactly yeah. right. Yeah. And so that's how I shifted from mystery to Western because 
10 drinks. I of couldn't Westbrook. help it. And once I had the first chapter written, um, I couldn't stop. I just, I couldn't stop. And so we just, I just wrote this novel and there it was. You're like, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I know. love that. Uh, I it love was it a lot it of work like though. It comes out like, like almost fully formed when you just start and you're yeah. like, well, here we go. We're doing this right now. We are, yeah, we were doing that. And so I was kind of concurrently writing <laughs> Blood and Dust with the end of Griffin's Cure. And it was a very intense period of the writing life there. You know, it was, that's it was crazy. serious. Yeah. So that's how, that's how I shifted. It was, it was uh, my husband's fault, basically. Yep. Yeah, you can blame him. Um, so I don't normally read Westerns. It's been a really long time since I have read one. Um, I really liked this one. I'm not done so we can't talk about the ending of we never course. do spoilers anyway. we never do but i mean even we'll like read it once we're not live don't don't <laughs> okay. spoil the ending no spoilers got it i'll um, message Joanne later for be like Joanne, tell me this part <laughs> <laughs> um so i was wondering about the research process for this and how like obviously as a journalist you're not shy of researching but what was it like to did you already know about a lot of this history um, How much did you know about the hobo culture? Because I nothing. I love the hobo culture. I knew nothing I just, about the hobo culture. That was pure research. Absolutely nothing. I knew that it existed, um, and I you know I can't for the life of me tell you why I knew that. But the <laughs> details, I one hundred percent had to research. Well, and you have details there that I know that I knew of such things. Yeah, we're saying hobo. We're referring to the people who basically hop on trains and get around that way without paying for tickets, and that they have these things like ways to communicate with each other yes, about places exactly. that are friendly, places that are going to yeah. kill you. So don't get off the train here. Yeah. That kind of stuff. Yeah. And there's there's still a very active hobo culture in the United States. We have a hobo convention, a wow. yearly hobo convention, really? where. Did not know that. Yeah, it is. It's in Iowa, I believe. And it's the second weekend of August every year. So everybody. I'll have to pop down. I was going to say, it would be a great place for you to sell your book. (laughs) Yeah, right. Hey. (laughs) Because the hobo culture celebrates people who travel and work. And usually they're very skilled people. So I think it would be a great place for you to travel to with a a pack of your books on your back. And well, you know, I don't know if they have, I don't know how hobos would feel about that. I, they come off fairly well in the book, right? They do. You're they very do. flattering to them. Um, I don't really like, I'm a sensitive soul in some ways, and I don't really like slamming people who are down on their luck particularly. Mm. You know? Well, hobos aren't, they don't They don't consider themselves down on their luck. So no, it's more of a life choice. It's like, a life choice. To be almost basically nomadic, like itinerant workers. And exactly. Who are, who are choosing to find different places. For well, that's, that's a good point. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to paint itinerant people yeah. as being, you know, in a, in a negative way. No, and you don't either. in your book. No, and, you don't. Yeah. And there's, yeah. And even like within the, the culture that exists today, they, they consider themselves. I mean, it is a choice. They're workers, they're traveling to work. Um, and then, you know, there's a lot of like, like the tramps, they travel, but they don't work such and such. Yeah, but and you know, there's yeah. like a whole, there's like yeah. lots of different words. Um, yeah. I, I had a friend who was into a it. hobo. <laughs> yeah. Like into it or actually live that lifestyle. But live the if lifestyle. they live that lifestyle, then, then they probably educated you what it's really like. I did. But, <laughs> but as far as the research, you had not just that culture, but you had different uh, native indigenous tribes that were represented and just even how the the railroads were expanding and the areas 
all of that stuff. And, and I think for me, so my limited experience of Westerns are bad movies on Netflix, not really something that I've read. And yet my used bookstore has whole racks of them. And I'm going, who reads Westerns? And now the answer is me. So I can no longer just walk <laughs> by there going, yeah, those are for me. But I'll probably just be like, did Joanne write another book and not tell me and, and look for yours? But but that all of that from the noises that the wagon wheels make and everything like that, you had such visceral, not just like, I did book research, but how did you know these things? Did you look that up too? Or do you just chase down some wagons? Are there wagons still in Canada? I don't think there are. Well, not those because they would not be very useful anymore. You know, um, that, that was something I did know about was the Red River carts and how they, they made an unholy squealing noise because they couldn't grease them. Right. Because then it would just end up gumming up with the Yeah. They were wood and hide and they would just gum up and then they'd have to start all over. Basically Mm -hmm. they were hard to clean. There was always a lot of water and soap. And I mean, you know, how do you clean these things? So um, that, that I knew about, I had to dive into that a little bit more deeply to make sure I had it right. That I knew about. um, And that I knew the town I wanted it to land in because I knew that, that when, when the railroad was being built, you know, it was, incrementally being laid track by mm-hmm. track and I needed to get him past the railroad to right. uh, escape to be beyond the reach of the bad guy so I knew where I was ending it, where I was going to land it and I've been there many times and seen the train yards and have have a feel for the place I guess you know um and it couldn't be my own city unfortunately because we don't have that track up here it is really? a line that comes through here so um, so yeah, I am. Um, the details though were brutal. I mean, I was trying, I tried really hard to plant myself in that time. You know, where did you find water? How did you dig wells? How were, how were buildings constructed? And, oh, and when did the railroad, you know, how many layers is that young lady wearing? What's that? <laughs> I just said, how many layers is that young lady wearing? Exactly. <laughs> the answer is way too many. <laughs> well, but the, the answer is for people who are like Western. I'm like, but there's more than just a Western going on here. Because I feel like the Western is mostly the genre in terms of where the story is set. But the yeah. story itself is the story of this guy who is wrongfully accused of ruining a woman, more or less, in, in yeah. multiple ways. And he has threats on his life so he's got to escape and unlike now where you can just be like well i'm going to change my name and move to some other country he's limited by what's around him and his resources and people help him as he makes his way and he's going he's going west but it's canadian west so for people who are like yeah. i've seen enough of those american cowboys they're not american you win and i agree i agree it's not you know it is a western and it isn't you know it's not quite as um it's not quite as I don't know, dark, I suppose, as a lot of Westerns are. And it's it, I, it's also a coming of age story. It's also yes. a hero's journey. Yeah. You know, sort of a lot there of was so much of it there. that sort of reminded me of Great Expectations mm. or even um, The Goldfinch by Donna Tartt, where you just get the story of somebody's life and how like one kind of tragic incident mm-hmm. shapes Yes, their entire future. Right. Yes, that's right. Yeah, I, I didn't. It's funny, you know. I, I didn't I, I start with any sort of preconceived notion of what kind of a book it was going to be. It just mm-hmm. had to be historical fiction. Yeah. Right. And then it ended up turning into kind of a western, kind of a hero's well, journey, right? Because that's where Ben's dream placed me. 
right? Right, yeah. right. And it, it, but it doesn't have to be one or the other. I think it's just a lot of us think, well, what's a Western? Uh, there's just a bunch of gunfights and, and there's nothing more to it. But you have so much here. But yes, it's still grounded in that Western. So if you like Westerns, this is still a book you're going to love. So you're not be like, well, it's not really a Western. Oh, it absolutely is. It's just, I think most of us think of it as this almost cartoony thing. My generation anyway, grew up with it almost like everybody's animated and they're just hearing the do 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 and then the gunfight that's it yeah I was gonna say, you, know, you think about you know the guy in the black hat the yep. guy in the white hat and the shootout and, and draw. 12 noon and draw that's it but, yeah. yeah pretty that's true yeah and there's some of that right but it, it's it's not um it is not quite uh constructed the way a traditional western is, right. is yeah and if, i think some of the men who are reading it are a little disappointed but oh they should not be they shouldn't be because there's a lot of other stuff they're gonna like i'm just saying how many layers the girls wear and just yeah <laughs> and this girl is remarkable right because she she wears breeches and things when she has to work i mean this is one tough lady and <laughs> she's she's like i can't wear a dress when i'm out you know like working with the cattle or planting the crop so she's a farmer and she dresses like one for the, not always but when she's working she does and i i like that about her i like that a lot about abby yeah okay whose dog mine i was gonna say like joanne is that your dog is that tabby i don't have a dog i want one okay. you, I can don't borrow tabby. <laughs> you can borrow tabby <laughs> yeah, i just I heard a bark and i'm like ooh, i know i heard a bang and then a bark so i'm just like uh-oh <gasps> I hope everything's okay. Everything's fine. I'm sure everything's fine. He's a barky little dog. He's, he's tiny. <laughs> no, I just I just like though in the book that you you incorporate this this Western theme, but then you have all these other things that I still want from a good book, in, including you've got your action, you've got your character development. You don't kind of exclude any one thing or neglect one thing in order to elevate something else. And I feel like that's a really hard thing to do, including there's there is romance. And I know you joke in your little thing, like every good story should also have a love story. Yeah. Right. And, and I'm sure you could probably write one without it, but so far I haven't read anything from yours that doesn't throw in a love story. So thank you. Yeah, you're you're welcome. I, I can't seem to write anything without a love story in it. It's I'm just that's not who I am. I just think, like as with every as with so many other things, mind you, it's part of life. And how do you write a full a fully um, you know, developed book about relationships of whatever kind without having a love relationship, right? Well, so. And and love doesn't, or even just a longing for someone. Yeah, I mean, or. I mean, it can it can really vary. But I I did laugh because we, you know, JC, Johanna, and I know each other primarily from getting to connect on Twitter. And somebody posted yesterday that they were trying something new and has had never written a love story and started writing a love story, and they're like sixty thousand words in. And you know what they forgot? The love story. Like that's just not where they're. <laughs> That's not where their heads at. <laughs> oh, that's and that's funny. totally fine. So this is if yeah. if that author is reading or watching this right now, by all means, it's not a slam. I thought it was funny because I think some of us we just are inclined to write certain ways, and if we're trying to fight against that, maybe it's something great, and maybe it's like, nope, didn't happen. This is just not yeah. what I do. And if if Joanne tried to not write a love story, I would just laugh until one just pops up anyway. Like, hi, it's <laughs> <a> love story. <laughs> like, I probably couldn't. I in the case of the Adam and Grace series. I completely um, was influenced by Dorothy L. Sayers. And I don't know how many people are completely familiar with her, but she wrote the Lord Peter Ramsey series. And Lord Peter has similar, and I didn't do this on purpose, actually, but he has similar uh, issues to Adam's issues, my main character, the main male character. I didn't do that on purpose. It, it, uh, that's a long story. So, that was organic. Um, but organic. his relationship 
with mm-hmm. the, the woman uh, who comes in about, I would say about a third of the way through her series, um, profoundly influenced me and made me much more engaged in him and in their, and in the books, because I wanted to see how this relationship was going to develop and how it was going to affect his career, right? Well, right. it's not a career in his case, because he's a lord of the realm taking on a crime investigation for fun. You as know. you do when you're a lord. Right? Right? As you when do. you have, you're just like, I'm a lord. What am I going to do? I guess. I have to benefit try. society somehow. 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 about good lord. for yeah. him. Okay. So, yeah. So um, I was very influenced by that. So that was... Um, you know, a big part of envisioning the Adam and Grace series. In Blood and Dust, though, you know, it, it the love story was crucial to me because he was seeking this, a new home and everything that came with it, right? Yeah. He wanted a home. He wanted a family. He wanted a career. He wanted to be part of a community. And so he, I needed to give him all of that. And he has a romantic right? soul. I mean, oh, yeah, he's, he's, you know, he's he a gold. He rings for pretty women, right? Exactly. I'm like, married, yes. so. it's, it tells you so much that like one of the very first scenes of your book is him making a ring, mm-hmm. you know, and giving his it to mother. his mother. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is really pretty sweet, right? Like he's, he's a good kid. I mean, there's no doubt about it. And he well, gets and that makes you root as for time him goes when, on, right? Right. Yeah. But that makes you root for him because you're like, you start out with this guy who, and yes, because you started with the scene that happens later where things are not going so well for him that you know that he's going to get knocked off his sweet little pedestal really soon. We're like, oh, he's a sweet mama's boy who yeah. wants to help earn money. And oh, he has a creative side and he wants to. And he wants to make jewelry and he respects women. Yeah. So and that so. gets him in trouble too. Yes. Like, I know. It can't win, right? I'm just saying. Just <laughs> next to, uh, I mean, no, I'm not encouraging anybody to be a jerk, but no. his, his heart gets him into places that maybe his heart gets him into trouble. Of. I pictured him as like the Tom Holland type. Oh, of course it's Tom Holland. Yeah. Do you know who Tom Holland is? Like Joey Tom Nerf? Holland in the movie <laughs> Devil All the Time. That version. Oh, of Tom, poor, Holland. Poor Tom Holland. Tom Holland is the newest Spider Man. He's the youngest Spider Man. Oh, yes, of course. Like that Great. Guy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And and I've I've stolen Tom Holland too. He is my he is my Eddie in my uh, in my series. So okay. he's he's Eddie because he's the only one who can tolerate Laurie Sunkiss because he's <laughs> the best sweet. But but he's got that that just you look at him and there's just such earnestness in the face and you can just see yeah. the sweat dripping down. He would make an excellent main character for you. Okay, when it turns into a movie, I will yeah. recommend he be yeah. yeah, just be like, oh, could you get Tom Holland, Holland yes. please? Yes. Yes. He's a little busy. He's about to play Fred Astaire in the biopic of Fred Astaire. Oh, I have to see I'm such no, a nerd. He'll be, no, he'll be good in that, though, because when he was younger, he He's was Billy Elliot. Elliot. So... Yeah. That's that's kind of was was he Billy Elliot in the movie or just on on stage? Because I feel you like know, was, I don't know. I don't. I don't think he was, I don't, I don't I think like he was in the movie. I think he no, was Billy Elliot in the North right. End of London. But that's how mm-hmm. part of his Spider Man auditions is like. Oh, are you able to do these physical moves? And he's a dancer, so yes, he yes. can. He can do yes. pretty much anything. So he so he could ride a horse. horse. He could wield an anvil, shoot yeah. a gun. I don't he, really he, he, it sounds. Him. He sounds perfect. He's perfect. He's perfect. perfect. Let's just put that out in the universe. Tom Holland. Is perfect for James Sinclair, at least. Yes. (laughs) Does he have a leading lady? Who would you you cast opposite him? Fair answer is always Zendaya because she can do anything. (laughs) 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 She's like in real life. I'm like, it's always Zendaya, right? 
I haven't thought about it at all. Isn't it bizarre? You I thought about it a lot with Adam and Grace, but I haven't thought about it at all. Like, who's Grace? Because I know Adam had kind of a, a person you knew, and so that's kind of someone that you kind yeah. of start with. But who would you do as the actor? Adam Adam Driver is acceptable as the answer, but if you had a different <laughs> person who isn't actually named Adam, he's not required to have the same name as your character. That's just I, lazy with the Jen and I. That's lazy. I, that's I, that's I just lazy with them too. I mean, I've had a lot of trouble with Adam and Grace because I see them in my head so clearly that right. it is that so nobody's hard exactly even right. to think about actors. Yeah. Um, the closest, I would say, in terms of uh, his physical um, uh, um, shape. His, Bill. His, his, his body is he is a square. Right. To an extent, it right. would be Tom Ellis. Is He looks more like Adam to me than anybody else does. I don't but know who that is. He still doesn't look. Um, Tom Ellis is in Lucifer? I'm going, wait, wait, hold on. <laughs> yeah. Like, as soon as you said Tom Ellis, my brain went to Lucifer. I'm like, I didn't hear that right. Did you just say Lucifer? I did. I don't think I do. all like yeah. that. In fact, Mar Mario and a few other people on Twitter and I sort of, you know, gotten, okay. you know, had funny little discussions. Mario, about if you're still like on that. here, weigh in if you think Tom Ellis works. <laughs> Otherwise, we'll talk about it later. But no, I'm just Tom Ellis is more of like a narrow swimmer's body, and I was picturing, I was picturing. Adam he is, yeah. Body. Adam in my yeah. head is bulkier for sure, but yeah. he's, he's yeah. also tall and very. Tall. Um, um, has he moves well? Moves like. You know, and I think Tom I like Ellis, the way you said that right? he moves well. Yeah, he he does. Like, so Tom back very well. It's just I, what I would need him to do, and and I will volunteer to be his dialect coach. Is so for this is kind of a that's the problem. Mario is yelling, Tom Ellis. Yes, Mario. you see, <laughs> is okay. So Mario agrees. Okay, so here's the thing: when Tom is not doing his British accent and he sounds American, I want to punch him. So we need him to not sound like that. I've not heard him do that. You haven't heard him do that? Okay, I'll have to find a clip of him speaking in a different accent. And he does on Lucifer at times. And I won't okay. spoil more about why, but he does. And it's a smarmy, awful thing. And it just gives you these, go away, stop it. And it doesn't matter <laughs> that you're looking at the same man who's just gorgeous. Okay, like, so that's a problem. And Mario agrees. You don't, okay, Mario, you don't like how he sounds as an American either. So I will I will work with him personally to get him to sound Personally, like long American. hours. He can sound Canadian, but he can't, he, he shouldn't sound like he wandered out of Wales to start with, because that's not right for the character. True. Although I do it, like Welsh accents. I do too. Yes. But but and Adam, you see, is half Welsh and half Scottish. He? Yes, he is. Oh. I mean, by ancestry, he is. Yes. So if we give him the accent, I'm totally fine with this now. Go okay. on. Maybe we'll, we could just change that for the movie. See, Mario, okay, Mario's okay. putting something there. Creative and, choices. Okay, this is this is a slightly spoiler, so I'm not going to read it into the record, but everyone else who's watching this can see there's the, there's the spoiler about the American <laughs> accent. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, so I had to squint and look at just it. Went, I, I just Jen's doing this. Go, what? Oh, I see now. I'm gonna remove it. Stopping with the spoiler. I, I, I'm I'm so out of touch. That's I, fine. That's I fine. had no idea, Mario. That's fine. <laughs> well, and then who? But then who do you picture as Grace? Because I know sometimes I have a harder time with the female characters because I'm going. They're all me. Can't it's they? Me. All <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, she's no. not me. Um, the woman who is the model for the picture of Grace on the front of the book is yeah. how, almost how I envision her. And so finding an actress who looks like that like, hmm. would might take some effort. Um, I thought early on that a younger, of course, no offense, <laughs> Kate, because she's, you know, when in Adam's witness, she is, I think she's 28. Yeah, she's late 20s, 29. Um, and Adam is 30, 31. And um, 
I thought Kate Blanchett would be a great grace. Uh, the, and then again, we have these issues with uh, crossover accents and stuff like yeah. that. But she does great. She sounds like an American. She does great. Yeah, American I've heard accent. her. I've heard her do American, no problem. And most, and I, I will say this: I always feel like whenever folks from the UK pretend to be Americans, they sound a lot more convincing than we do trying to pretend to be them. And I don't, mm. I don't know why that is. And sometimes they can also hide it in other accents. So I know, like when Anna Paquin was doing Southern, she sounded fine. But when she tries to be just straight like normal American, whatever they, they consider mm. the non-regional one that you hear, like the Hollywood people use, right. it's a little bit harder for her to hold it. So it's like, if you can bury your accent in another accent, totally fine. The that, theater that dork in me wants to talk about the fact that um, the British accent, a uh, generic British accent and an American Southern accent are very similar in Probably the way they use their diphthongs and their <laughs> vowel movements. Theater nerd. I love it. I'm like, oh, hold on. Let me bust in here with my useless knowledge of. <laughs> it's not useless. It got you your degree and it's all. Oh, yes. That's all my good. Theater degree. My theater degree. <laughs> I don't know. I was listening, you know, Colin Farrell does an amazing American voice, for example, like some, some British actors just blow my mind. Yeah. And if you have seen power of the dog yet, not yet. Not Cumberbatch yet. completely sounds like an American. Oh, yeah. well, and he did, he did as, as Stephen Strange, too. And it, it is funny because you had two actors both play Sherlock Holmes in a mm. scene together in the Avengers movie. And it's like, but he sounds American when he's pretending to be American. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. not so much when you're trying to be British. No offense, no. Robert Downey Jr. We still love you. But but still. We do. It, yes, just, we certainly do. And the and BBC had a whole campaign for a while about Jamie Bamber, who was one of the leads on Battlestar Galactica, that he was secretly British because he was playing an American. It's like, wait, oh, what? He's, he's good. secretly British? No one even told us. They could infiltrate. We would never know. That's we true. We wouldn't care either, but I'm just no, saying. We, we, wouldn't, we wouldn't care. We wouldn't. We'd be good. We'd be good. So, Joanne, you're on the sixth book of the Adam's Witness series. That's okay. Are you in the drafting stage or in the editing stage? Where are you with that? I'm about a third of the way through writing it, okay, approximately. So yeah, and it's not going well. Uh, oh, oh, I don't like hearing that. What's going um, on? I, I don't know if I should share this, but well, you could just call it. You know, it's the, the our show is called Vox Vomitus, which is fake Latin for word vomit. We want to hear when it's going yeah, bad. It's, it's the word vomit. It's, it's the, the vomit the draft. It's fair. Okay, so. If anyone is watching this who does not know me, um, I try to uh, sort of inject inject a serious, very serious social message into each yeah. book, right? Like this is the old journalist, the old idealist in me coming out, and I, I still feel like I have something to say, I suppose, and can't help myself. So, um, in the in the first novel, for example, they are uh, it's hate crimes, um, you know, sort of spurred by homophobia, which right. is and the turning point in that book early on is uh, the event that causes everything to roll out from the beginning um, actually happened here. And it bothered me. All, it's bothered me all the my cancellation? life. Right? Is that the what you're talking about? The cancellation of the pride choir singing in the cathedral. So, and a lot of people have um, objected and said that, you know, people shouldn't be singing in the sanctuary anyway. And, you know, point taken, if that's how you feel about it, absolutely. The point is, is that this church, this cathedral, as with all the, almost all the other churches in Saskatoon, need money and they rent out the sanctuary to um, mostly singing groups. Well, right. musical performance of all kinds because mm -hmm. the acoustics are so amazing. So it's, it, and like I say in the book, 
the choir wasn't going in there to sing anything salacious. It was like it, they do this choir actually exists on under a different name, and they sing you know pop tunes and Broadway mm -hmm. tunes, and classical, tunes yeah. classical pieces. You know, yeah. this is a fabulous choir. So why did they kick them out and nobody else? That's yeah. the issue. It's not you know fair. They didn't want a gay choir performing in their church. Mm -hmm. It's terrible. Yes, mm -hmm. lots of churches do that. And um, so anyway, that just as an example, you know, th these are the sorts of messages I want to get out of my books. Yeah. So this book I'm writing now <laughs> um, is it, it turns on uh, things that have happened to two people that I know. One was a client of my father's who is a lawyer and one is a friend, a very good friend. And they are both uh, one was one is. Um, so I'll just say are. Um, very, very large gentlemen, um, one from Africa and one from the United States, and both are black. And the way, and they're both teachers in high schools. And the way they were treated was unbelievable. And I, it's a story I have always wanted to tell. And it's, it's quite close to my heart, particularly because of my friend, you know. But I, I have, I, it, it's just so important to me to get that voice right, you yeah. know, of the main yeah. character who is not just not my gender, but not my race. Well, <laughs> and know? the fact that you're, you're aware of that and that you want to be sensitive to that. I know some people say, oh, we'll just get a sensitivity reader and some that's, that's, and I will. yeah. So I, and I understand, especially when you're like, I didn't live the story, but I was a, a sounding board for someone who did. Exactly. I mean, most of the stories we tell are not directly our stories. Sometimes they are, but a lot of times they're stories we've co-opted from people we've experienced. That's kind of our role as writer. But I understand how you're feeling like, okay, would I be the right person to do this? And how am I going to handle this yeah. delicately and respectfully? Exactly. This is exactly what I'm wrestling with. And, yeah. you know, I'm very lucky that my friend is still here. And that I can bounce this off him once mm -hmm. I, I want to get about halfway finished just a little bit further because uh, what happens with the main character shifts significantly after the first third of the book. Got it. And so mm -hmm. I want to make sure he sees the first third and then how the character develops b before I show it to mm -hmm. him. Um, but it has been very, very, very difficult. And I, um, and yeah, just have been up nights, you know, kind of worrying about it. The thing is, is that, you could say that I shouldn't be telling this story at all, or you could say that it is up to all of us to um, object to this kind of behavior. Yeah. And, and I hope that my perspective adds something to this, although I don't know if it will. Um, and, you know, somebody could tell a very similar story and that might be enough, but there, I don't think anybody actually exists who can tell this particular story. Right, because I, I know all the files from my father's case. I know right. this friend very, very well. And this particular story would not be told. So is that enough to defend, you know, me coming at it from a white woman's perspective? Yeah, um, it's it's so, yeah. it is a tr it's a tricky place to be. And like I have of course so much love and respect for you that you understand that. And I think oh, thank you, you know, to a certain degree we've all been there, especially within the past several years of trying to figure out what stories are ours. Yes. And yeah. So and what is I, the answer to that? Like is it is the answer to that that if the story is in your heart and in your mind and in your soul and you feel compelled to tell it, is that good enough? 
Yeah. Right. This is, this is to me a very big question. I think it's what we all struggle with. I know Allison and I have had very long conversations about this topic and we have not come up with. There's no simple answer. And it changes. And we've talked about where if you're established in your career and you have pe people in the industry saying it's okay, then it's like, there's a stamp of approval, but there will be people who will still say, no, it's not okay. And Absolutely. there are a lot of people who basically say whatever culture that story is from, it's up to somebody from that culture to tell that story, but it's like, okay, but if, if nobody knows that story, how can they tell it? So I understand exactly, exactly. what you're if this yeah. is a specific story, not just a larger social story, but a specific thing that happened to these people who are close to you in your life, in order to not have that story silenced, who is going to tell that story? And right now I, I completely understand going, I don't, I don't have an answer for this. There isn't an easy answer for this. There isn't. And the other thing is that there is the other side of the story, which is, you know, the bad people um, who, who make, yeah, who make the bad that. people who made this happen. And yeah. from my perspective, I am the person to tell that story because mm -hmm. that yes. is my culture. Right. right. That part and, of it. And holding like, your own culture accountable for its mistakes and for precisely. its sins and to yes. say, we need to do better. We need to hold ourselves accountable and not just give it's, this a pass for exactly. oh, okay at the time, or we didn't know any better at the time and just gloss over it. No, you're not doing yeah, that. Exactly. And you know, I, I don't know. You, you can look at it both ways. And I know that it, there's going to be some criticism or expect there to be some. I certainly got a lot of criticism on Adam's witness. Um, although. Yeah. But the people who are criticizing you. The LGBTQ community. No. And I remember. I from the homophobes. Exactly. I remember them saying, basically going, wait a second. I didn't know this was one of those gay stories. And of course, then yeah. we're like, oh. This is one of them gay stories and your sales went up as you shared that because there's nothing, I don't remember anything going into it, knowing that that was going to be one of the themes. So it's one of those things where, oh, some people are going to want to read that. They're going to want to find yes. out about that and what <laughs> happened. And I think generally most people are going to be like, oh, selling point. Thank you. Yeah. I would prefer that. Thanks. Thank you. Exactly. Exactly. But but again, there are always going to be people who who hate a certain group and we certainly don't care about catering to them. They can They can go away. Yeah, exactly. And it, and it, and when you do get those reviews and you do get that negative feedback, sometimes it's a really good place to start the conversation from all over again, mm -hmm. um, which I, I can't say I, that part of it I appreciate, although I don't appreciate their point of view <laughs> in that case, you know. You're wrong, uh, but... <laughs> But, well, you know, I would just say what, partly why I write. Yeah, you. Know, you and, like, I would say you have to write so. this story for yourself right now. Whether yeah. whether this book at the end of the day, you decide or society decides that no, it's not your story to tell. I think for you, you need to tell it, even if it just you know sits in your computer for a while. <laughs> it's it's true. I'm driven. I'm kind of driven to this. It was always going to be this story was always going to be the last Adam's witness in my head. You know, actually, that's not true. When I first wrote when I wrote the first book, that's not exactly true. Let's say <laughs> when I wrote the first book, I it was a one off as far as I was concerned. And then um, a friend, friends read it and then other friends read it. And then my, actually, my, one of my husband's best friends um, phoned me and said, hey, I really enjoyed your book. Have you started the next one yet? I went. N next one another book what <laughs> and then i went oh i see i'm supposed to write more of these more. Got it. thank you um, that's how the series book you in because it's when people go and the next book and you go what 
<laughs> You're like, oh, but that was the end of the story. No, and that's yeah. that's the whole reason Dibs had an epilogue that I had to strip off because like, no epilogue, there's more books. Hold on. Throw that out. Okay. Keep writing because my first yeah. beta reader was like, thank you, may I have another? And I'm like, I don't even write romance. Why are you making me do this? <laughs> well, now I do. did. <laughs> but but now I do. Well, you did do it. I did. But but I understand that that whole like um now I have to write more. Yeah. It was it was a it, quite a shock. <laughs> um, but at that point I knew that I had, you know, um this topic, this topic, this topic, this topic, and that story kind of thing that yeah. I wanted to write about. And so here I am, and now I have to face the music. Right. Like, um, I thought about this and now I've gotten <laughs> up to it. You're like, I'm going to go delay by writing another Western. <laughs> well, it, no, that right is, is, is that I, um, I want to write another Western. And well, you it, should it, all that, all you can't do all that research and be like, that was it. One book, move on. I, yeah. Right. <laughs> it's too the much. research was incredible. I'm sure I spent more hours in research on blood and dust than I did writing it. Like it was, it was crazy. Even, even though I had a fairly good grounding in, you know, some of the elements that I wanted to include, but I tell you the details, you're writing along, you're like, okay, I've got this, I've got this. I'm right there. I'm immersed. I know that every detail about this town and where the railroad is right now, and I'm good. And then you're like, where did they get the water? Yeah. <laughs> how far away is the stream? To get from Moose Jaw to Lac Labiche and back again. Mm -hmm. Are they two traders going to be back in time? Oh my God. You know, it's just so, it, and then, okay, so you close it. <laughs> close the file and off you yeah. go researching again it's it was perpetual so you need then, yeah, to do another right. western i gotta do another one the exactly. next one won't be as westerny though it's going to be more political not a um, western it's a political western so can i can i do that i think yes, it's, yes. It's, it's, you know, it's ex it, taking the um the nub of that story and developing it into the history of my province as it mm. became a province because oh. it wasn't even incorporated as a province at that time so. so would you use any of the same characters or just some of the same research? I would. I okay. would. Um, James will be older, um, but he will. Um, I shouldn't say this because there might be people who haven't read the book yet. Okay. There might be another generation involved. I was going to say, and other generations and other characters, and you have you have important side characters that I would like to see what happens with them. So if you can thread some of those back in, <laughs> I will throw money at you. <laughs> okay, I'll keep that. I'll, I'll definitely keep that in mind. Yeah, okay. But I'm, just, I'm just saying, like it's James's story, but you have a lot of other people there. You could easily spin off and and have them be there. So I mean, I don't I don't know how how important James needs to be to the story. If you're like, oh, I've I've already explored him, but if he's older, then he has new things to explore. Nobody has just one story. Yeah, I mean, at, even at the end of the book, he's still in his early twenties, right? And and so. He He's got a long way to go. Even in those days, people lived longer than, you know, 35 or whatever around here, generally yeah. speaking. So um, some of the older characters, I'm not sure what I would do with. There could be a tragic thing that happens to one of them. Haven't we well, suffered I'm, enough, Joanne? I know, I, I know. Say, on that note, <laughs> on that right, note we, have go. we have to go. I hate <laughs> yeah. On that depressing note of everybody must die eventually. Yeah, I just can't <laughs> do that. And James died in a stampede. Oh, spoiler. Just kidding. I mean, I can't do that. I can't have all these people dying the way people do in books and say, you know, everybody has to, you know, go through terrible things and keep reaching and, oh my, and, you know, everything's always awful. I can't write like that. I, I want to debate between Joanne and George R. R. Martin where George R. R. Martin is just like killing off characters right and left. And Joanne's like, no, I'm going to save you all at all prices. Yep. Exactly. Even if you're miserable for years. <laughs> 
you have to kill some people. I mean, yes. here and there. I mean, people do. do die, especially out in the Western Plains in the middle of nowhere. Oh, yeah. Right? But, oh, yeah. Um, it was not an easy land, no. No. Yeah. So you have to, you do have to do what seems not, it seems like it could have happened or should yeah. have happened or must have yeah. happened. Or else then it'll become incredibly unrealistic to be like, mm-hmm. oh, of course, everybody's like happy. Li- super happy and happy. Or super and dead. Like, One oh. or the other. Yeah. <laughs> super happy. Happy or dead. <laughs> Joanne, <laughs> thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you for having me. It was so much fun. Thank you, Joanne. See, we weren't scary. <laughs> uh, she was never scared of me. <laughs> I'm not scary. <laughs> I'm hard to scare, fortunately. Good. It's the journalism background. That's right. Just tough as nails. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for joining us. If you are watching this on YouTube, please hit like and subscribe to our station. I just thought Alice was like, I know. I'm pointing. There's there's probably a button there. It could be over there. I don't know it where could the be button. there. I don't think it's around here. So don't it's go push my nose. Yep. So <laughs> hit like and subscribe, and come back next week when we have author Samantha Downing joining us. And thank you, Mario. Mario says this was awesome. Thanks. Thank you, Mario. Thank you. And bye, everyone.